Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Pastor Brian Gibbs. Grab your Bibles tonight, if you will. And I want to speak to you for the next few moments. I don't know how long I'm going to be. It's not my intention to speak in, through the millennial reign tonight. But you never know how the Lord's going to move upon me. So I'd like you to go to Acts chapter 2 tonight. You feel the Lord tonight? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't it great? This is why I've come. And to hang out with you guys too. Be with you. I like I like being with you. <laughs> well, thanks. Acts chapter two. <clears throat> I want to talk to you tonight about finding your prophetic voice. Finding your prophetic voice. And I want to speak to you tonight about becoming a voice for God. Becoming a voice for God. The Apostle Peter, he stands up on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem in an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They had been told by Jesus, wait and tarry until the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power to be my witnesses in Judea, or Jerusalem first, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Those are the words of Jesus. He said, wait and tarry, wait and tarry until you receive power from on high, for you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Those are the words of Jesus. The resurrected Jesus ascended on that 40th day after his resurrection. And 10 days later, that's 50 days. It's the day of Pentecost, 50 Pentecost. It was the day of Pentecost. It was the Pentecost feast. And we know through Acts chapter 2, they were assembled in one place. They were in an upper room, and they, were, they had been there for 10 days, tearing and waiting for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And suddenly, the Bible says that suddenly the Holy Spirit moved upon them. There was a sound. There was a sound of a rushing mighty wind. And it blew into that city. And it went into that room and began to whirl upon them. And it says, the chronicle, the history story that we have says that Cloven tongues of fire started sitting down on each of them. Cloven tongues of fire started resting on them. How would you like to be in a meeting like that when a, when a, when a wind just blows open that door and the winds of God start whirling and whirling and moving? And then we see with our, with our own eyes cloven tongues of fire resting on each one of them. And suddenly... They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues. It was completely unexpected. I mean, they expected the Holy Spirit to come, but they didn't know how the Holy Spirit was going to come. You understand? They expected the Holy Spirit to come, but they didn't really expect how the Holy Spirit was going to come. I have the sneaky suspicion 
that God is still Jehovah Sneaky, and we've been asking him for an outpouring to come, but he's actually going to come in a way that's unprecedented and beyond anything we've ever tangibly ever imagined. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all we've ever asked or dreamed or imagined. And so the Apostle Peter, he stands up, and in verse 17, he says these words, and he's quoting here. He says, God says he's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. You can shout tonight with me. I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Let your anointed imagination just grab a hold of that tonight. Let your spirit soar right there. I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters they're going to prophesy. You got to take this personal tonight. You got to take this personal tonight. Your sons and your daughters, you're going to prophesy. You need to shout out, I'm going to prophesy. Come on, I'm going to prophesy. My sons and daughters are going to prophesy. Come on, say it. My grandchildren are going to prophesy. Come on, say it. My grandchildren are going to prophesy. Amen. The grandchildren you haven't had yet are going to prophesy. Come on. Say it. I'm going to prophesy. I was created to prophesy. Come on, say it. I was created to prophesy. Somebody needs to get on their feet tonight and say, I was created to prophesy. My children are going to prophesy. My grandchildren are going to prophesy. Come on, this Lutheran church is warming up. I'm feeling it. Your sons and daughters are going to prophesy. Some of you, you get so mad when I say that. I don't care. I don't care that you get mad. You'll get over it. We're just warming up. We're, where we're going, <laughs> we don't need roads. Actually, where we're going, you're, you're going to look back and think, wow, we were, a, we were a really good Methodist church before God ambushed us. <laughs> oh, God, help us, help us, help us. Oh, Jesus, help us. He said, your young men are going to see visions. This is exciting stuff, man. Your young men are going to see visions. Your old men, they're going to dream dreams. I love this. It's what God does. When he ignites your heart with fire, you're going to see visions. When God lights your heart on fire, you're going to see dreams. You're, you old men, you're going to dream dreams. You young men, you're going to see visions. God's going to ignite you, and they're going to be dreams and visions that are so compelling, you're not going to be able to ignore them. You're not going to be able to ever get away from them. These dreams and visions will mark you. Oh, my gosh, church. <laughs> and on my men servants and my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I, I think I, you need to stand to your feet. I'm going to pray over this meeting. You're not ready for this word, but you're about ready to get ready for this word. Yeah, I know you're ready, Susan, but I'm going to pray. Let's lift our hands right now. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, fall in this place. Holy Spirit, 
light the fire. Holy Spirit, light the fire. Holy Spirit, light the fire in this place. Oh, Lord, you are getting us ready for a new decade. You are getting us ready for a new era. You are getting us ready for radical change. Holy Spirit, I thank you. You're preparing hearts even now for transformational revival, transformational outpouring, reformation in Jesus' name. Oh, Lord, we yield to you, Holy Spirit. We will partner with you, Holy Spirit. Say that. I will yield to you, Holy Spirit. Say, I will partner with you, Holy Spirit. Lord, your sons and daughters were born for such a time as this. They were born for such a time as this. They are born for this hour now, Lord, this new era. I thank you, God. We are the ecclesia. We are the embassy of heaven that will build your throne. We will build your seat of authority, God. We will expand, God, your reach into every sphere of culture in Jesus' name. And it'll be by your unstoppable spirit, God. It'll not be by works or by man's flesh or by man's strength. Not by power, not by might, but by your spirit, oh Lord. Lord, you are building your church. You said the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And these are the ones that you are building for this hour. The gates of hell will not prevail against your mighty ecclesia and your church in Jesus' name. We will triumph over all the works of the devil. We will triumph over all the works of the devil. We will triumph over all the works of the devil. We will triumph over all the works of the devil. By faith and by courage, we're going to seize every opportunity, Lord. And tonight we're seizing the opportunity now. We're seizing this opportunity tonight. Lord, we will not underestimate what you're releasing in this place. Your holiness is here, Lord. You've been with us in prayer. You've been with us in worship. You've been saturating God like a fine oil. Now, Lord, light that oil on fire. Light that oil on fire. In Jesus' name, come on, shout a victory, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I said to you a few weeks ago, Leonard Ravenhill said, the opportunity of a lifetime has to be seized in the lifetime of that opportunity. The opportunity of a lifetime has to be seized in the lifetime of that opportunity. You may want to get a tattoo across your back of that. I'm just kidding. Shaka, you're okay. It's going to be okay tonight. Shatatata. The opportunity of a lifetime has to be seized in the lifetime of that opportunity. I'll tell you what. Is it, I, I think, I, I kind of think that there, there's actually more about you and me that's alike than we care to admit. <laughs> You're like, ah. 
I don't like missed opportunities. Can I see a hand of anyone who likes missed opportunities? <laughs> Caleb was like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. <laughs> I don't like missed opportunities. I can't stand them. I mean, I, I get aggravated when I hear there was a sale, you know, at a store, and I missed out on that sale. I mean, I, I love a new shirt. Come on. I love a new shirt, right? Okay. I'll try this side over here tonight. You all understand what I'm saying? I don't like missed opportunities. God, he opens up Kairos moments of opportunity, and, and he pleads with his church. He implores us. He, he releases uh, an envoy of invitations from the heavenly realm, and he sends out his angels, and he releases an envoy of his angels to release invitations so that you get in on what he is doing. That's why it was so horrible for Vashti to say to the king, I'm not coming. And she was removed, and God lifted up Esther. You remember? Because somebody had to seize the hour of opportunity. Are you with me? There are going to be many, 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 who are going to miss this hour of opportunity. But that's not going to be our story. That's not going to be our story. We're going to apprehend this, this time, this opportunity by faith. And I want to say again, folks, the greatest days in church history are not behind us. They are just ahead of us. They are just ahead of us. I'm going to be right in the center of it. I'm telling you, in the greatest outpouring that the earth has ever seen, I want us to be right in the middle of it. I don't have to be a point person. I don't have to be known. I don't have to be famous. I don't have to have the biggest platforms. I don't, I don't have to have all that. I just have to be right in the center of the greatest outpouring of the Holy Ghost on planet Earth. Come on. Come on. I'm not going to miss it. You were born for revival. I'm reminding you who you are. You were born for awakening. You were born for reformation. You were born for revival. Woo! And we're moving in to the roaring 20s. Shaha. Ha ha. There you go. Ha ha. Stir that up tonight. Ha ha. When Brent and I were in college, we, uh, our, our president of, our, of Southeastern University, he, he had this message that he preached during orientation every year, and it was called, Ha ha, Mr. Devil. I never forgot it. We always joke about it. Ha ha, Mr. Devil. So good. I want you to, to, to write this down tonight. You are being summonsed, and you are receiving an invitation to receive the lion's share. I keep hearing this in prayer. It's not just a word for me. It's a word for us as a family. You and I are being invited and summoned into sharing the lion's share. And you know what the lion's share is? It's the spoils of victory. The lion's share is the spoils of victory. God has dreams about loading us down as a family with testimony after testimony of his goodness and power and provision and miracles and wonders and breakthroughs. God wants to load this family down with extraordinary. Look, look, folks, it, 
$6,600, our little church. You know, that's a breakthrough. You need to celebrate it. It's a breakthrough. Now, let's multiply that by a thousand. I'm not talking dollars right now. I'm talking breakthroughs. So much so that we start going, wow, did you hear about this? This happened for this company, you know, in our church. And this happened for this young couple. And, and this, this person was given a car. I mean, just, just two weeks ago, we had a family buy one of our other families a van in our church. Can you say praise the Lord? Praise All right, you're, you're warming up. You're warming up. You're like, hey, I need a car. I need a car. I need a car. <laughs> crowd is warming up. I, I need a motorcycle. I, oh, God, God. Okay, anyway, so I'm, no, I was joking. <laughs> I was joking. I want to speak to you tonight. I'm trying to get there tonight. I'm trying. Thank you. But I want to talk to you about finding your prophetic voice. Finding your prophetic voice. See, when I read the book of Acts over you and I let, I let the word wash over you, I'm not washing you with history. I'm washing a promise over you. I'm just washing you with a promise, see, that you were born to have visions and dreams. That's what the kingdom culture is all about. The kingdom culture is all about faith and prophecy and dreams and visions. This should be the norm. This is the norm. Dreams and visions and faith and prophecy is the norm in a kingdom culture. It's not the norm in a dried up dead church, but it's the norm in a kingdom community. It should be the norm. People having dreams, God speaking to them, God leading them, provisions coming forth, breakthroughs coming forth, angels showing up in houses, and, and I mean really angels showing up in houses, not people telling fib stories and you know wild imaginations and vain things puffed up in their mind as Paul wrote about that they, they don't even know what they're talking about. I'm talking about the real stuff. I'm talking about the biblical stuff, the tested and tried, the true stuff, okay? That's what I'm talking about. See, the greatest thing in all the world, folks, is to hear the voice of God. The greatest thing in the entire world is to hear the voice of God. Your heart will sing with joy. Your heart will dance with joy when you hear the voice of God. I would even... I would even rather hear God's voice rebuking me than a million voices flattering me. I delight in hearing the voice of God. In Psalm verse 2, I'm sorry, chapter 2, verse 11, Psalm 2, 11, and this is in the NIV. Psalm 2, verse 11, it says, Serve the Lord with fear. And that word fear means honor and reverence. Take some notes tonight. And ce celebrate his rule with trembling. Serve the Lord with fear. I don't know what translation you got up there tonight. There you go. You got it. Serve the Lord with fear. And that means with honor and reverence. Say honor and reverence. And celebrate his rule with trembling. Isaiah chapter 66 verse 5. Hear this word. Isaiah 66, verse 5, it says, Hear the word of the Lord, you who tremble 
at his word. Listen to it again. Hear the word of the Lord, you who tremble at his word. I want to tell you what it means to tremble tonight if you're taking some notes. If you're not taking some notes, just grab your, your pen next to your buddy and take some notes. Take some notes. To tremble means this. It means to revere. If I tremble at his word, it means I revere the word of the Lord. It means I honor the word of the Lord. If I, if I tremble at the word of the Lord, it, it means that I hold it with such deep and sacred respect. You hear this tonight. To tremble means to revere. It means to honor. It means to hold with deep and sacred respect. If, if I tremble, it means that I appreciate the Lord's word. Can you hear this tonight? Are you hearing this? If I tremble at the word of the Lord, it means that I appreciate his word. I cherish his word. It means I value his word. It means I treasure his word. Are you hearing all these different words? You hearing it? He says, you who hear the word of the Lord and who tremble at his word. I'm telling you, this is the quality of people that we've got to be. We've got to revere and honor and hold with esteem and hold with deep and sacred respect the word of the Lord. This is a foreign thing in our, in our day and age. You'll be mocked to scorn if you revere the word of the Lord. You better be ready for the backlash. You better be ready to be mocked for your testimony of honoring the sacred word of the Lord. You better be ready. You better be ready to stand your ground of being a man who will honor the word of the Lord. When everyone will spit on you and mock you, leave you, you may have to stand alone under the word of the Lord. And know you're on holy ground. Whoa. Whoa. See, we got to cherish the voice of the Lord. What, I'm talking to you tonight about finding your prophetic voice. And I want to tell you, this is where it starts. It starts by fearing the Lord. How you become a prophetic voice... Unto the Lord is by fearing Him and trembling before Him that you honor and cherish with deep sacred respect His Word. His still small voice within you. His inner witness of the Spirit. And that quality time with God in prayer. And it can be audible as well. The voice thundering of the Lord. But if you would cherish the voice of the Lord as sacred and holy. If you would honor the anointing. See, I like to say this. Honor attracts the anointing. Honor is what literally attracts the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Humility is actually what sustains the anointing. But living holy unto God is what will actually protect the anointing in your life. If you honor God, if you honor His Word, if you honor His voice, you will attract the anointing of the Holy Spirit unto you. There will be a greater dimension and a greater measure and a, and a greater grace that will be released into your life if you honor the anointing, if you honor the Word of the Lord, if you honor the voice of the Lord, you'll attract the anointing. Are you hearing me tonight? If you do these things, if you honor, if you humble yourself and cherish the word, hmm, 
if you protect the anointing on your life by living holy and living clean. And if you fall, you confess your sin before God. And he who confesses his sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us from all of our sin and all of our unrighteousness. If you fall, you get up quick. Actually, let me say it even better. If you fall, you better repent quick. He's faithful and just to forgive. So you protect the anointing on your life by living clean and living holy. Honor is what will attract the anointing. But humility will sustain the anointing in your life. But holiness and living clean will protect the anointing on your life. So you've got to tremble at the word of the Lord. Folks, this is a big deal what we're talking about tonight. You have, you have to be a man. You have to choose to be a man. You have to choose to be a woman that I'm going to fear God and I'm going to tremble at his word. I'm going to fear God and I'm going to tremble at his word. Wow. We don't hear much of this talk anymore, do we? To tremble at the word of God is actually a manifestation that you fear him. Say amen. See, when, we, when we'll do that, it means that we'll obey him instantly. When God speaks, you'll obey. When God speaks to you, you'll have a spirit that will be quick to obey. You'll not stand passively. When God is speaking, uh, you know, I, when, I don't know, I don't, I don't know, I don't, I'll get around to that. That kind of bothers me. I mean, that didn't make me feel good when God spoke that. And, you know, I, can I encourage you folks? You need to cherish a word from God even when he's rebuking you. You, you need to cherish the word of God when he's convicting you. That means he's speaking to you. It's his voice. You never want to get out in that place of passivity where you can just do whatever and be frivolous and so casual that when God speaks to you, you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. That happens a lot in worship services. People come in casual, yeah, 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 yeah. sit around, you know, don't let other people break through. Whoa. It's the silence of the lambs tonight. <laughs> don't speak, don't, don't allow God speaking to you to become some casual thing. When God speaks to you, it should bring an alertness in you. It should bring an alertness in you. When God speaks to you, you should have a spirit within you that you stand at attention at the word of the Lord. Now, I've got, a lo- I've got a long ways to go tonight, and I'm going to go there, okay? So buckle up. We're going there tonight. You've got to have a spirit that's alert. You've got to have a spirit that's awakened to the voice of God, and you can't do that running out all over in the world and not being a friend of God and presenting yourself before him in the place of prayer and walking in constant communion with God. You let your life get all cluttered with everything else. Listen, there is enough crazy stuff going on in America. All of us can have panic attacks all day Sunday tomorrow. 
I mean, really. I mean, there, there's enough craziness going on in America right now that we should, I mean, we can just all pack it up and have anxiety attacks and panic attacks all day tomorrow. Shrivel up in some fetal position and lay in our master bedroom and uh, somebody cook me breakfast. Uh. I mean, the world's a mess. Black is white, white is black, right is wrong, wrong is right. It's, it's insanity. You need to present yourself before the Lord and tremble at His word. This is how you're going to become a voice for God. See, if you will revere and cherish the word of the Lord and God sees your heart, that your heart will explode when He speaks to you, then He will begin to trust you to become a real message and a messenger who burns with fire. Say amen. Come on, say amen. When you have a true fear of the Lord, you will obey it when it doesn't even make sense. You might want to write that one down. You might want to write that one down. When you really fear the Lord, you will obey Him when it doesn't make sense. There's something interesting going on in this generation right now that we're so adamant that everything has to be explained to us before we can act on anything. The silence of the lambs is really in the church tonight. Everything has to be explained to us. We, we, we have to comprehend everything. But see, there's something about God that you have to know, that I have to know, that God, He asks for obedience to be done by faith before we have full understanding. Oh, my. The prophet Morpheus out of the movie Matrix, the mighty prophet Morpheus, he said, my comprehension is not a pre prerequisite for my participation. I'm going to say that one more time. My comprehension is not a prerequisite for my participation. That means that you don't have to understand everything. You just have to obey it. God doesn't owe any of us major explanations on anything. We need to get over ourselves. God does not owe you an explanation on anything. He is looking for you to tremble at his word and obey him, even when you don't understand it, even when it's not making sense, even when it's not giving you all the feel goods and everything's not working out for you. God's looking at you and saying, will you be obedient? Will you be obedient? Will you be a man? Church, come on. Are you hearing this tonight in your spirit? God looks for this. He's looking for a man who will tremble at his word. He's looking for a woman who will tremble at his word. Because if he can trust you with that word and you will revere it and you will hold it as sacred, something will happen within you. You'll have a metamorphosis on the inside and you'll go from just having a message to literally being trusted to become a messenger. And that's where God wants to take us. We've got to grab hold of the fear of God tonight. You might want to write it down. I need to take hold of the fear of the Lord. I need to take hold of the fear of the Lord. That we will obey God when we don't even see the benefit. We will obey God even when we don't see the benefit. See, it's too common for Christians to just expect 
to see the picture of the benefit before they decide to obey God. In other words, what I'm trying to say is we negotiate with God. What's in it for me? We negotiate all the time with God. God, what's in it for me? Well, what if it's about you looking utterly humiliated and he stands there going, I'm well pleased with you. Jesus was utterly humiliated, scorned, rejected, beaten, flogged, and in heaven he was saying, there's my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, giving himself over even to the obedience of the the death of a cross. Church, are you hearing this? Oh, boy. What's in it for me? What's my reward? i got to see my reward. Our reward should be acting in obedience. It shouldn't be our motive to see what we get. We should give. We should pray. We should get into the presence of God because we love Him, and He's enough, and He's worthy because we fear Him. That's right. When we tremble at the word of the Lord, it means that we will obey God to its completion. That's what Jesus did. See, I'm telling you where we're going into the roaring 20s. We're going to find our roar. We're going to find our voice. And I'm telling you, lambs are going to be transformed into lions. The people of God are going to become so fierce and so courageous. You know why? Because it started when they started fearing the Lord, and they would tremble at his word. They would fear the Lord. They would tremble at his word. They would let that word get on the inside of them, become a revelation to them, humble themselves. They would allow their lives to be conformed to this word. They would allow their lives to be conformed to the final authority of the word of God. Thank you. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. See, to become a voice for God, you've got to honor and cherish him. You've got to hold God in the highest regard. You've got to hold God. You can't hold man in the highest regard. You've got to stop playing games with who you're going to please and who's going to give you likes on Facebook and Twitter and all of that junk. You've got to live with the highest regard, with a holiness in your life that I'm going to please the Lord. I'm going to walk before the Lord and please the Lord. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. I'm going to please the Lord. (laughs) We don't have the luxury, folks, of living by our own carnal and based opinions. We don't share those luxuries. We're called to conform our lives to the word of the Lord. And if we can conform our lives to his word and stand in the roar of his word, we can find our own prophetic voice and our roar within us that can actually transform a generation and nations in this hour. The reason we're in such a pitiful mess right now is because the delusions that stand in the pulpits of America that are so weak... So anemic, so afraid, such cowards to preach the gospel of the kingdom. But God's looking for a few good men. 
God's looking for a few good women who will tremble at his word. Tremble at his word. Now, when I think about being a voice for God, there's, there's a guy that comes to mind, and he was a Baptist. His name was John. Praise God for the Baptist. Amen. Can I get a shout out, Pastor Gene? John was a mighty Baptist. Come on. His name was John the Baptist. <laughs> Here's a guy who conformed his life to the counsel of the Lord. Here's a guy who conformed his life to the counsel of the word of the Lord. I want to give you a scripture. It's found in John chapter 3, verses 29 and 30. Are you there? I gave you two seconds. <laughs> John chapter 3, verses 29 through 30. Listen to this. Is it behind me? Let's go. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him. Watch this. Look how he's postured. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's, say it, voice. Watch this. But the friend of the bridegroom stands and, say it, hears him and rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase and I must decrease. See, I, I've got I, to have you see this tonight. John was the friend of the bridegroom, and he stood. His life passion was to stand and hear the voice of the Lord. And because he heard his voice, he was able to rejoice. There is nothing like hearing the voice of God. There's nothing like hearing the voice of God. It is so beautiful. It, you hear the voice of God, it will stand your true identity up on the inside of you. It will cause you to rise, square your shoulders, put your chest out, and march like a mighty man of God and a mighty woman of God. It will remind you who your true identity is. But you've got to rejoice to hear his voice. You've got to rejoice. Write it down. I've got to rejoice to hear his voice. John was a burning. John this Baptist. <laughs> he was a burning, shining lamp of God. But he wasn't a shining, burning lamp because he burned before people. No. It was because he stood before the burning one, and he allowed his life to be set ablaze with God's holy passions. John was the one who was able to become a forerunner. He was able to become a voice for God. John was able to become a voice for God, a voice who would prepare the way of the Lord, the forerunner of God. John's training and his discipline it was in the wilderness. This gets us all excited, doesn't it? Oh, it was in the wilderness. I'm going to tell you something. The wilderness is a place. The wilderness is a real place that none of you have exemption to. Have you been through a wilderness, Brian? Yes, I have. I've been through a few. No one is exempt of wilderness. Are you hearing this tonight? Come on, I'm here to help you tonight. I'm here to help you. I'm here to empower you tonight. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you tonight. The wilderness is a place and a time of pruning. 
The wilderness is a place and a time of pruning. That gets the church really excited. Somebody's going to run around the building, I know, right now when I talk about pruning. (laughs) My God, yeah. It's It's a place of shaping. The wilderness is a place of pruning. The wilderness is a place of shaping. The wilderness is actually a place where God starts sculpting you, fashioning you, disciplining you, rebuking you. And like John the Baptist, oh, he spent years in the wilderness. John spent years in the wilderness. Think about that. That was his Bible college. He mastered, he, he had a PhD in the wilderness of being humbled by God. This really hits home. Now watch this in Luke chapter 1, verse 80. Luke chapter 1 and verse 80. Here John is, he's being pruned, he's being shaped, he's being sculpted. God is fashioning John the Baptist. He's rebuking him, he's disciplining him, he's humbling him. And it took years. He was in the wilderness how long? Years. And the child continued to grow. Are you there? Luke chapter 1 and verse 80. Are you there? Come on, come on, talk to me. Are you there? Luke chapter 1, verse 80. And the child continued to grow, and he became strong in spirit. I love that. He, be, he began to become strong in spirit, and he lived in the desert until the day of his public appearance or the day of his public manifestation to Israel. He was growing strong, what? In the spirit. Wow. John had this level of humility about him. Folks, it wasn't something that John possessed when he just came out of the womb of his mother. No, he was just like you and me. Do you understand? Do you know that the scripture says that Elijah was a man just like us, a man of like passions? You know, that should help. It should encourage every one of us. It really encourages me to know that prophets that God mightily used were just like you and I. I'm telling you, John the Baptist, he didn't come out of his mother's womb ready and shaped and fashioned to be a voice for God. He had to go into a wilderness. He had to be trained. He had to be sculpted. He had to be disciplined. I want you to hear this tonight. His humility was forged through years spent in the wilderness where he learned to hear the voice of God. Where he learned to hear the voice of God. Number one, when he heard the voice of God, number one, he came to believe that his identity was sure. He came to believe that his identity was sure. Number two, John then, he chose a lifestyle of extravagant devotion. Once he began to hear the voice of God and his identity was secured and anchored in him, then he was able to choose a lifestyle of extravagant devotion. Number three, John was able to courageously obey the call of God on his life by trumpeting the call of repentance to a lost nation and a lost people. Listen to this, folks. John did not seek to be great before men. John did not seek to be great before men. 
This is, this, I'm saying this to help us. We've got to be delivered from trying to be great in the eyes of men. We've got to get over ourselves and stop managing our image. God could care less about us managing our image. That is good. John did not seek to be great before men. What, what did John do? John's quest was to seek the one whose greatness is unsearchable. Did anybody hear it? John's quest was to seek the greatness of the one who is unsearchable. And by that quest, his heart was set on fire. His heart was set on fire. That quest became the divine obsession of hearing the voice of God. The divine quest of hearing the voice of God. Do you desire to hear the voice of God? Do you desire to hear the voice of God? I want to tell you tonight, there's a joy in knowing the voice of God that's more real than anything. There is a joy in knowing the voice of God. There is a joy of intimacy of knowing God's voice. There is a joy of intimacy of knowing God's voice. To talk with God, to commune with God, to be called a friend of God, to be invited into a holy access of being a beloved and dear friend of God. Think of that, that God wants to talk to you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to share his secrets with you. He wants to share his dreams with you. That blows my mind. That blows my mind. Hearing the voice of God is what our human hearts were created for. So, if you're anything like me, and I think you kind of are, and I think I'm kind of like you. That's why we're doing this together. We, we bear some resemblance of one another, right? Right? Caleb, it's the hair products. It's, we bear some resemblance, right, of one another. If you're anything like me, and if I'm anything like you, this is what I know about you. What I know about you is your heart longs to make an impact upon the world. If I know you, then I know your heart longs to make a great impact on this world. And if I know you, you long to put your hand on something that has eternal significance. I think I'm talking to you. And if that's who you are, then that means that you will go and you will spend quality time with God to hear his voice and listen but also tremble at his word. Tremble at his word. Wow. You have to go alone to hear the voice of the Lord. And I'm, see, if you'll hear the voice of the Lord, it will set your heart on fire. If you hear the voice of the Lord, it will set your heart on fire. I, 
I'm not talking about a good message. I'm not talking about a tweetable nugget or a good Facebook post. I'm talking about something that will set your entire heart on fire. You won't be able to get away from it. Remember what I said. It will be dreams and visions. So they're so compelling, you will not be able to escape it. If God really speaks to you, you'll never be able to get away from it because it will, <laughs> I almost use the word haunt, and I'm like, no, that's not what God does. God doesn't. Let's just say God will, God will, um, he will, he will go after you. He will stalk you. <laughs> the Lord will stalk you. And he will keep romanticizing your heart. And he will keep issuing the invitation of stalking. <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> You've made yourself really, really busy, but I'm still here. And I'm standing at the door of your heart. And I'm knocking and I'm knocking. And if any man hears my voice and open the door, I'll come in. And I'll dine. And I'll make the meal. And I'll sit and watch you eat in the presence of your enemies. He'll stalk you. Yeah. Yeah. Write it down tonight. God wants me to be a voice, not an echo. God wants me to be a voice, not an echo. See, if you can become obsessed so that God can set you so on fire, You can become a burning message for God. You can become a burn. Your life can become a burning message for God, and you can be transformed into a messenger. When you're a friend of God, you still with me tonight? When you're a friend of God, he invites you into a place of partnership into his heart. That means that God shares his secrets with those who walk in the fear of the Lord. That's scripture. That's Psalm 25, verse 14. Write it down tonight. Psalm 25, verse 14. It says that the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. He shares his secrets. Now, that's amazing. I, I remember when I was a young man, well, I'm a, I'm a young man, but when I was really a boy, Amos chapter 3, verse 7, just, I, I, my heart burst into wonderment when I found this verse. And in Amos chapter 3 and verse 7, it says this about God. It says, surely the Lord does nothing, is it behind me? Unless he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. Is it behind me? Surely, Amos chapter 3 and verse 7, put it in your notes. Surely the Lord does nothing until he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. And I remember being in my early teen years, and I, I, I didn't want to be a prophet. I just wanted God to tell me his secrets. <laughs> I, was, I was scared of being a prophet. That, that kind of, I was like, whoa, whoa, being a prophet. <laughs> wow. I want you to catch something here that became a revelation to me one day. It's amazing that God, hear this tonight with your spirit, God will make himself accountable to the men that he created in his likeness. See, God says, 
I'll do nothing in the earth until I tell my secrets to my friends, my servants, the prophets. Isn't that awesome? Think of that. Because God desires partnerships with his friends. He wants you to dream his dream with him. He wants you to dream his dream with him. And so he summons an invitation for a partnership. And he says, I don't do anything into, into, into the earth. I don't drop anything in. Now think about that. God is so accountable that he would tell men what he's about to do. I mean, if you've got a, if you've got a problem with accountability in your life, you need to understand God's even accountable to men. Because God loves and cherishes friendship. God loves and cherishes friendship. God loves and cherishes friendship. He loves friendship. Jesus said in John 15, he says, I no longer even call you servants. I call you. Because servants don't even know what the father's doing, the master is doing. But I call you friends so that you will know all things. God wants to tell you, this is what I want to do. See, look, folks, get this tonight. Let your spirit just expand right now. God wants to speak to you on a grander, higher level of vantage point than, than the world is spinning out in the natural matrix of life. They are spun out in the natural, what they can see and touch and what's tangible before their natural vision. But God wants to bring you as a man and woman into a realm of the spirit so you can see his dream and you can start becoming a burning man with the voice that, with, with the burning word of the Lord and become that voice and that message, that burning messenger of fire because you've been standing before the God of holy fire. And you can become that voice. Wow. God invites us into a glorious partnership for the Holy Spirit's agenda in the earth. You know what the Holy Spirit's supreme agenda in the earth is? It's to give glory to Jesus. Boy, you guys are quiet. The supreme vision of the Holy Spirit's ministry is to bring glory unto Jesus. See, that's the agenda I want to be a part of. That's the agenda we are going to be a part of. Are you with me? I wrote this down tonight. Jesus is inviting us not just to raise a torch. But he's inviting us to become a burning torch. He's inviting us to become a burning torch. I was standing before the Supreme Court just the other, the other night, and I went back to the dream. Really, it was a vision that the Lord had given me. And I could see in that vision that torch that I had, and the wind of God came and hit me in my back and took hold of my, my flame, and it, that wind blew open the front doors of that Supreme Court and my flame expanded off of my torch and went into that Supreme Court building and when it went in there it burst into an unstoppable raging inferno and it was the purifying cleansing holy fire of God that wants to torch and clean out the Supreme Court but when I was standing there the other night and I was praying man it was cold and I was praying I heard the Lord say, 
I don't want you to just carry a torch. I want you to become that torch. Come on. You know how that happens? It's when I stand and I make those declarations and I, I make those decrees and I, I release my intercession and I release my prayers and I say, you, this gate of the enemy will be closed and I forbid you anymore and I loose the power of the kingdom of God for this Supreme Court to come into alignment with the righteousness and justice of heaven and it will obey and those seats will be filled with righteous men and women who honor and tremble and fear the voice and the word of God. We're going to see senators, governors, mayors, congressmen, congresswomen who fear and tremble at the word of God. Woo! going to happen. It's happening. It's happening. God is grooming them. It's happening. Glory to God. Second Chronicles chapter 16 verse 9, it says, for the eyes of the Lord, the eyes of the Lord, it roams to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of those hearts that are loyal to him. See, when I read that, I implore the Lord, Lord, I want to be a man who is loyal and faithful unto you, that you can trust me and you can trust us to show yourself strong. I'm about there tonight. Jesus said this in Mark chapter 16, and I'm just about there. Mark 16, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. What does that mean? It means be a voice. Carry the message. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. If you're going to preach the gospel, it means you're going to have to be a voice and carry a message. You ever seen those nice little Christian t-shirts? Go forth and preach the gospel, and if you have to, use words. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I'm sorry, throw away your bandana, your scarf. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You got to have the word in you to be a voice for God. I mean, we're not changing nations by passing out bottled waters with our church logos on it in the inner city. We, we, we act like we're doing cities a favor by going down and passing out bottled waters with our, our logo on it and just being nice to people, being friendly, like God's putting gold stars on the fridge because you're so sweet. Oh, hey, he's a sweet guy. He's got a great handshake. No. Those are lambs. Those are baby lambs. God wants to grow baby lambs into mighty, fierce, powerful lions who can roar and speak the voice of God with clarity, with conviction, because they tremble at the voice of the Lord. They tremble at the voice of the Lord. 
And it doesn't mean that you've got to be aggressive. It means you can stand and you can say the word of the Lord. Now, lest you think I'm just preaching a sermon, this is why I'm coming in and out of Washington, D.C. This is why I was in Adam Schiff's office this week on Tuesday. To give him a word from the Lord. It's great, Mark. Eight people are they're with me. It's with me. I know my wife, daughters. I'm not playing about this, folks. This is not a game. God is wanting to raise up prophetic voices to declare and decree the word of the Lord. You go forth and preach the gospel to every living creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned, and these signs will follow him in my name. He's going to cast out demons. He's going to speak with new tongues. He's going to take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will not harm them or hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. The nations are in desperate need of heaven's messengers. America is in desperate need, ladies and gentlemen, of you becoming a voice for God. Somebody in this church is going to become a voice for God. Coming after you. Coming after you. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 11. It describes a word that is fitly spoken. It says, like apples of gold in settings of silver, so is a word carefully spoken in its time. See, words can be priceless, right? Words can be precious. Words can be life-giving. Words can be powerful. Words can be convicting. Words can be rebuking. You may need rebuke from the Lord. I knew I was going to get a shout down from that one. How do you find your prophetic roar? I'm glad you asked. It all starts in your continual relationship with the Word of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, it's you delight yourself in the Word that it becomes your guide so that you begin to burn with an unstoppable passion. Number three, it's that Jesus becomes your first love. You start walking with an awareness that you are his hands. You start walking. See, listen, you're not paying me to do your job. You're not paying me to do your job. I'm here to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. You are the hands of the Lord. You are the feet of the Lord. Let's take it one step further. You are called to be the voice of the Lord. You're called to be a carrier of the word of the Lord. Yes. Take a hold of this. Take a hold of it. Oh my, I've got so much more. I'm going to have to wrap it up. I can just see it. I can feel it. I want to ask you a question tonight, and I want you to write this down. 
what can God's word, this is my question to you, and I wrote this down to complete this message. What can God's word placed in your heart and in your mouth do in our generation if you become a voice? I'm going to come back to this next week because i got a long way to go. I'm going to come back to it. i got a long way to go. My notes are having notes. My notes are pregnant with more notes. They're having babies up on the stand. My notes are bearing fruit to more notes. It's just happening. But I'm going to get back to it next week. What would God's word look like in your heart, in your mouth, to our generation if you become a voice for God? Here's what I want to commit to you. If you will be a woman, a man, who will fear and honor the Lord and tremble at his word. How many of you believe that God's word coming out of his mouth is powerful? How many of you believe that God's word coming out of his mouth is powerful? How many of you believe God's word coming out of your mouth is powerful? How many can dare to believe that it's just as powerful if you fear and honor and tremble at his word that you say what he says? What if you stand? What if you stand alone? What if you stand alone in your generation while they're mocking you to scorn, while they're mocking you, while they're spitting on you? Because you refuse to bow down to their agenda of homosexuality and lesbianism and transgenderism and all the other isms that are having isms and having isms and having isms. And you stand and you say, no, God says that's an abomination and a sin unto him. And you have to repent of it because it's a sin. I was standing outside of Andrea Oscios Cortez's office praying with a dear friend of mine, Steve. And we were praying. We stood about 15 minutes outside of her office. I actually went into Adam Schiff's office and met his staff and his secretary and delivered a handwritten word of the Lord for him that he received the night before the impeachment hearings began. Swarming up the crowd tonight. Just praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's good, Pastor Brian. Pastor Brian, that's good. That's good. <laughs> if I was sitting there hearing this, it's not because I'm so narcissistic. It's because it's the word of the Lord. I would be cheering and bouncing up and down. Bren, I would, wouldn't I? That's right. You have to respond to the word in faith, folks. Signs and wonders follow them that believe. Nothing follows them who are in unbelief. <laughs> so we were praying outside. 
the office there, and Steve, <clears throat> Steve was writing her a word. <laughs> and I was praying, and there was this woman off by herself in the hallway. She was watching me and Steve. I knew she was watching us, and she came over, and I finally got a really good look at her face, and her eyes were welled up with tears, and she asked Steve, she said, what, what, is, that, what is that flag, that, that flag on her, next to her door, the, the, the pink and the, the blue and the white flag there, what is that? And Steve said, that's the transgender flag. It's amazing you walk down those democratic hallways and see the rainbow flag and the transgender flags there outside of their doors next to the American flag. Makes me just want to just take them and light them on fire. And when Steve said that's the transgender movement flag, the woman was so broken. She was a Christian. She was broken, broken, went off to herself against the wall overcome with grief and pain. She was there praying. She was there interceding. Folks, I want to tell you, before there's going to be a great awakening, there's going to be a real rude awakening in America. Before it gets more glorious, it's going to get even more messy. It's going to be treacherous. It's going to be messy. It's going to be filthy, but it's going to be all worth it. God is going to wash this nation in his blood. God is going to cleanse and purge this nation from our indulgences, from our filth, from our vices, from our rebellion, from our backslidings. He's going to do it. He is so patient. He is so forbearing. He is so kind. He is so full of mercy and love. And he's willing to be patient with a wayward prodigal nation. But I'm telling you, folks, his fire is coming to cleanse it. Oh, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. And his voices who will stand before him and fear the Lord and tremble at his word will be commissioned to this generation. I ask you again, what will the word of the Lord look like in your mouth, in your heart, as you go to this generation and declare it? I say, be that man. I say to you, be that man. I say to you, be that woman. Be that man, be that woman. I say to you, be a man and a woman sent from God. Be a man and a woman sent out of the secret place with God who's able to be courageous. Listen, you can be humble and broken and courageous at the same time. It's not either or. It's both and. Remember, John was released out of the wilderness to preach and teach repentance. But he came in humility, but he came with authority and power. So I ask you tonight, and I don't want a response. Do you want to be a voice for God? Do you want to be a voice for God? Or do you just want to come and attend a church? Do you just want to come and attend a church? Be part of a church family. Give, worship, enjoy it. Or do you want to become a voice for God? I believe 
This is a house that's called to be an equipping and training center out of the presence. If we can stand before the Lord and humble ourselves and fear Almighty God and tremble at His word, we can get on the path to becoming voices for God. America needs you. America needs you. The nations need you. Sarasota needs you. Venice needs you. This region needs you. Needs you. It needs you to be a voice for God. I love you. I bless you. You're called and chosen by God. I want you to stand. Cody, would you come? The other night we were in a home gathering with some of our church family here. And we had a we had a visiting prophetic minister from the UK come and we prayed over her and then she wanted to pray over me. And um, she did something <laughs> that was a little unusual. She took her two fingers and she touched them to my lips. <laughs> really bothered me, really offended me, really freaked me out. And then, then I realized when she made her declaration about our lips being cleansed. You remember when the angel took the coals on the altar and it touched the coal to Isaiah's lips? What happened? It was after that he became a voice for God. You remember that? He said, oh, God, woe is me. Woe is me. I'm a mess. Woe is me. Then the angel took the coal from the altar, touched his lips, and then, he, and then Jesus comes out. Really, that's what happened. The messenger, Jesus, yells out and heralds and releases an invitation. Who will go for us? And who shall we send? And at that point, Isaiah says, Here, my Lord, send me. It's your lips. It's your voice. It's your mouth. Lord, Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that has been like a river, and then it's been like a fire, and then it's been like a a hammer, and then it's been like a bath. (laughs) It's been a cleansing, God. I thank you, Lord, for every movement like an orchestra, like a movement tonight, Lord, you've come. And, and it was beautiful, and, it, and it, it, it lifted, and then it, it came down, and it lifted, and it went up again, and it came down, and it started dancing all around us, Lord. And you were wooing our heart, Lord. And I thank you that your word is like a hammer. I thank you that your word is like a fire. I thank you that your word bathes us and cleanses us, and your word rebukes us, and your word empowers us, and your your word strengthens us, Lord. And I thank you for doing it tonight, all of it. And we receive it. And Lord, we ask you to put your word in our heart and in our mouth, in our lips, that we would learn how to become a prophetic prophetic carrier and voice for you. Can you lift your hands tonight in the name of Jesus? 
God, you see your carriers. You see your messengers. You see these mighty men of God. You see these mighty women of God. They are your carriers. They are your carriers, God. They are your mouthpiece, God. They are your reformers. They are your menders. Oh, God. So may you... May you fear the Lord, and may you tremble at his word, and may you live holy before the Lord and protect the anointing hmm, and honor the anointing on your life so that you can attract the Holy Spirit for more, so that you can become a voice for the Lord. And I just declare that, Lord, from the very top all the way through to this church, Lord, that you, you come through in a burning fire and out of this house, Lord, that our children become mighty messengers and carriers of the word of the Lord. Our children are carriers of signs and wonders and miracles. Our children, God, they'll raise up and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. We will see dreams and we will see visions. God, this will be a New Testament covenant house, a New Testament church, and a kingdom culture of faith and prophecy of dreams and visions and encounters. And out of this house will go forth, God, mouthpieces. And the word of the Lord shall herald and run through this church, Lord, to the four corners, God, of the cities, to the county, to the state, to the nations, to the nations of the earth. I believe, Lord, the day will come where worship will come out of this church and go to the nations. Worship and songs will be written, and they will run and be heralded through the nations. I believe that the word of the Lord will go forth, Lord, to many millions. I believe it will, Lord. But let us be faithful in the small things. Let us be faithful with the little things. So we can be proven to be faithful with so much more. So I bless you. And I pray your heart has been burning tonight. And I ask for more fire. I ask for more fire, Lord, upon my heart. More fire on my heart. More fire on our hearts, Lord. Make us a voice for you, Lord. Make us a faithful messenger. Do it, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lift those hands. Lift those hands. Fresh anointing. Fresh anointing. Fresh anointing.
go forth and prepare the way of the Lord. Be the light of the world that you are anointed and called to be. You be the light of the world. You be the salt of the world. Be the voice for God. Be courageous. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Amen. Amen. Be blessed tonight. We love you. Good night. Thank you for listening to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to our website at victoryfla.com.